Welcome. Here at The Bridge Church, we exist to help you connect to God, grow with family, and serve our city. We hope today's message will allow you to grow deeper in your connection to God. Enjoy the message. Father, you are so worthy. You're worthy of all of our praise. We rest in your presence today. God, we look at this weekend, many of us will take off and take time to reflect on the people who have died to make our freedom, that would give us freedom in this country, and we remember them. God, there is a sense that we come here and we remember your death that gave us the freedom to worship you and know you more. And God, we thank you that we come into a space where it's safe to talk about you and safe to read about you and to sing to you. God, we pray that during this time, we would learn more about you and learn more about ourselves. God, I pray that today, would not be just another explanation of a mighty and sovereign God. But I pray that we would have an encounter with you. I pray that God's spirit would begin to awaken the hearts of those who have been far from you. And God, I pray that you would revive the hearts of those who are feeling cast down. And God, I pray that as we are reminded that everyone in this room is at a different place. Everyone in this room is at a different place on their journey with you, God. And we thank you, Lord, that you can extend yourself to wherever we are. And so God, this afternoon, God, I pray that we would just have this moment and have this space to rest. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just reveal yourself during this time. I pray that you would speak. I pray that you would speak. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So good to be here in the house of the Lord. It's so good to just be able to worship, you know, and to sing songs and just enjoy God together. Um, We are in a series and... We were talking about emotions, and uh, I thought about it, and I said, man, I've never been in a series where, in a church where we just talked about our emotions. We just assumed that emotions start to change as you start to grow. But if you're a Christian, one thing you know, just because you're a Christian and just because you're spiritual, it does not mean you're emotionally mature. In fact, Christians often have some of the biggest challenges with emotional maturity because we have a tendency to wear a mask of blessing. All the while, our lives are quietly desperate and we're unable to be ourselves. You know, people are complex. People are unique. Every person that I've ever met, you know, I've been in ministry quite some time now, I've never met two of the same people. I mean, yeah, people have the same backgrounds, parents are the same, ethnicity is the same, but when you really dig down deep into people's passions and their fears, 
when you get into their wounds, when you look deeply into their past and how they're processing their past, everybody is really, really different and very, very unique and complex. And when you're a child, you have this freedom to be unique. Children have this courage to be themselves. And they express themselves however they want. And some of you grew up in a home where you could just explain to mom and explain to dad what's going on with you. And your strong father and your very helpful mother explained to you who you were. And they blessed you and they encouraged you and they explained what life should be like. And it was very safe. But a good portion of you did not have that experience. In fact, you learned that who you were and the expression of who you were was unsafe at a very early age. And so you learned how to cover who you were and to mask who you were at a very early age. In fact, you went from one environment of unsafety to another, so much so that a good portion of your life you've been performing and not really living free. And you know, in essence, in the Garden of Eden, in the very beginning, our very first people, our very first people were Adam and Eve. And they, they were people that they felt free, but they made a mistake. They had a God consciousness, but they sinned and they became self-conscious. And in that self-consciousness, the Bible says in Genesis 3 and 9 through 10, Adam actually started hiding. He actually got leaves and sewed them together so that he could cover his shame. And he began to hide from God. And so hiding from God and hiding from man was what we did in the garden. And it is what we do now. And what God did then is the Bible says he cried out. The word in Hebrew there literally means he, he, it's like he screamed. He cried out and said, where are you? And God did not cry out to Adam so that he could find Adam. He cried out to Adam so that Adam could find himself. So that Adam would look and inventory his situation and look at what he had done. And look at what he was feeling. And God wanted to be invited into the process of his shame. He did not want him to feel shame alone. He wanted to be invited in. Where are you, he says to Adam. And God is saying that to us. Where are you today? Where are you? And he wants to be invited in to a process of you looking deeply into the way you feel and allowing him to work on you. Your feelings, I know we've called this series controlled because really what we're saying is we want you to live in control in a very complicated world. But what we're not saying is that we want you to suppress the way that you feel because you've already learned how to do that. No, we're not saying suppress the way you feel. 
What we're saying, I think we put a definition up there about what we want to say about feelings. Your feelings aren't impulses that need to be controlled. They're tools that God uses, up, uses to help us discover our design. They are tools that God uses, but that we could discover our design. We could discover how we've been made. And so your feelings, the way you feel, the, that impulse that you get, that rush you get, that's a good thing. But it can become a bad thing when you do not allow God to work on you through a process. In fact, they can become a very toxic thing. In fact, the way you feel, like we talked about last week, even though you are complex, it doesn't need to mean you're complicated. And many of you, you've learned that your feelings need to be shown to the world, raw, uncut, unedited. And so you put them out on the world and you make the world responsible for who you are. But today we wanna to talk about how can we process who we are? And I talk to so many people and I say, man, how are you feeling? And there are a lot of people who I ask them how they feel and they're like, I don't even know. I just gotta to go to work, shoot. I feel like this check, I feel like I need this check. I feel like I gotta to go to work, that's what I feel, what? I don't have time to feel. I don't have time to process. Do you understand? We're in the city. We're, 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 we're moving. We are making things happen. I don't have time because people don't care. So why should I even work on me and discover me? We talked about before how your heart is your operating system. It's your operating system. It's where the why comes in. Why you do what you do. It's because of your heart. Jeremiah 17, and Jeremiah, we've been looking at Jeremiah so many times in this series. Jeremiah in the book is trying to get people to turn back to God. And so Jeremiah says something very powerful in trying to get people to see God for who he is. He says something about the heart. He says, the heart is deceitful above all all things. Very powerful. So he is saying that there are times that your heart can make you feel 100% right about something, even though in your mind you know it's 100% wrong. The heart is the greatest manipulator. It deceives, and it will get you to do things that you know you ain't got no business doing. And it says he, it's desperately sick. And so Jeremiah cries out, who can understand it? The heart. And you know what he's in essence saying? Who can understand you? Who can really understand you? How can you understand yourself when the very inside of you is lying to you? <laughs> How can you understand yourself? How can you understand who you are when your feelings can be deceptive? And it's like, remember in the classroom when the kid knows the answer and they just, you know, they go, ooh, they do, ooh. And they raise their hand because they, get, they know the answer. And they say, I have the answer. Who can understand the heart? And the Lord says, ooh, 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 I do. I, the Lord, search the heart. 
You trying to understand your heart? Are you trying to understand you? Pick me. Pick me, choose me. I can help you understand you. I designed you. I know you don't understand. I know you have deep, deep feelings that you've not shown people. I know you cover up. I know there's deep pains that you've never shared. I know. I saw. I understand. I mean, the crazy thing is, I've been married 13 years this year. Praise God. <laughs> that hard clap. The married folks giving the hard clap. They're like, thank you. <laughs> been married 13 years this year. I am still discovering my wife. I'm still learning her. And my wife is still learning me. But if I'm honest, part of the reason why my wife is still learning me is because I'm still trying to learn myself. I'm still discovering who I am. And so you can discover who you are oftentimes, more often than not, by the deep, deep feelings that you have. Now, today, I, today is a very practical message uh, because I want you to learn a process for your process. I want you to learn how to process your emotions. And so first I want to talk about what steps do we need to take to process who we are. And then I want to talk about several feelings that you'll feel. And I want to talk mostly about negative feelings. So I could talk about gladness and joy and other things, but I want to talk about negative because more often than not, your negative feelings, the things that you get, you get most enraged about, probably tell you desire more than anything else. Okay? So we're going to talk about that. Um, there are three ingredients Henry Cloud talks about in the book uh, Changes That Heal. He, he talks about three ingredients to growth. And what he says is that it really takes grace, truth, and time. Three ingredients that he says are very, very powerful. I learned this probably at, in the late 90s. Um, one of my pastors was teaching on this. And it was so powerful for me because we always talk about change, but we don't talk about the process to change. And so with that, I believe that's also a great route to process your emotions. It is giving yourself that, 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 uh, that concoction every time you're feeling something deeply. Grace, truth, and time. Grace, obviously, for those of you that don't know, it's unmerited favor. But another way to put that is unconditional acceptance. No matter what, I accept you. In two weeks, my wife and I will have our third daughter, Sophia. And, um, you know, when you look at the raw data, you know, the raw data, um, my daughter is going to be a problem. She's going to not be able to go to the bathroom on her own. She's going to cry, most likely a lot. We're praying for the calm anointing, but right now we're just... We're just not sure, but she's probably going to cry a lot, and she's going to actually keep us up at night. She's going to yell, be hungry, scream, and we can't even understand what she's saying. Her performance is horrible, but she will be extremely loved, deeply loved, because we will not love her based upon her performance. That's what grace is. It's when you love someone and you've given them favor that they haven't earned or deserved. And that is the essence of the gospel. 
a scandalous grace and an unmerited favor given to you because Christ dies for your sin. And so grace, you apply that to yourself and knowing that no matter how egregious the offense and no matter how horrible the sin, God still loves you, not based upon your performance, but based upon the work of Jesus Christ. And so you apply that grace to yourself, especially when you have done something that you can't even stand yourself after. And so you apply grace to yourself and you look inside and it's like shining a light. You know, you're... you're your feelings are like these passwords or these keys that open up a door and you shine the light in that room. But that light of the gospel is what you need to shine. Not of what your parents have said about you and not even the way you feel about yourself. Grace. The second thing he says is truth. That we need to live in reality. That we need to be honest. Now, this generation has no problem being honest. But it is not honesty for the sake of just vulnerability. It is honesty for the sake of transformation. Meaning I am stating this so that I can be different. And so you take in God's word as a lamp into your feet and a light into your path. And you're saying, search me, God. There, there are things about me, search me. I want to live in reality. I want you to look inside with me. And so you apply grace, but you also apply truth. And this is, means that you also want to confess to others that are safe. And you want to confess to God. And so you allow grace and truth. But I think the third component of this is really where Cloud blew my mind when I first read this, uh, Henry Cloud, when he wrote this. Time. We don't talk about time. That growth takes time. That change takes time. It just takes time. God has invented time as a redemptive season for your change and your growth. He is actually, God could just get you saved and have you go to heaven. He has actually created time for you to change and grow. And there are some things in you that are going to change quickly. Praise God. But there are some things that are going to take days, months, years, or decades where you're going to have to keep applying the gospel of God, looking deep in the inside, and asking God for hope and change. And it will incrementally change from one year to the next, but it won't be explosive. It won't be radical. It won't be something that you share and people go, oh my gosh, this is like I'm, I'm just a little different than last year but that will still be his power. Let me just, um, I, wanna, I wanna start talking about some of your emotions, but I wanna just speak to something that is very contextually, textual for this generation in particular, and that is that um, the millennial space is a world of speed where things move faster than what they, th there's a belief that things should be happening faster that you should be further along, that change should happen faster. And so because of, I, I'm going to assume social media and maybe microwaves, I don't know what it is, but there's a part of this generation in particular that does not know the long road of faithful obedience for change. 
They, they want quick change, speedy change, conference-based change, sermon-based change. And I hope your life changes today. I put, when I say amen, I hope you are just radically different. But you're probably going to be a little different. And then you're going to have to do the hard work of the heart to grow. It just depends on who you are, where you are, and where you're at. You know, my wife last night um, gave me some food. I, I don't like to cook. So she gives me like bachelor food, you know. So uh, she gives me like 90-second rice and uh, some other food that's very fast. And it's just like beep, 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 And that's all I want to do. I just don't want to be hungry anymore. I don't care about taste or flavor. I'm basically an animal. I don't even care. So, but, uh, but, uh, um, <laughs> that was funny. It was based on our conversation. It was very funny. But, um, but when you think about like, 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 when I go down south and I think about my uncles, you know, and they have these like munch, these these like monstrositous like uh, uh, barbecue things, man, and they they take pride in letting things soak overnight. You know what I'm saying? And they take pride in seasoning and the, and the flavor of what they put in versus what I ate is so much different. It's so much more rich and flavorful and beautiful. And but one thing that they've told me is that. The last thing you want is to do all that and then put it in there, put it, put, the, put it in the heat, but then take it out too soon because your food or your grill, it'll be half-baked, half-cooked. And because in the same way our people desire speed, a lot of our people are half-baked. They're, they're, they're partially grown. Um, they're, 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 they're incom- they're, there's a, they have not embraced the process of the long road of faithful obedience. And so because of that, you say quietly to yourself, I should not be doing this by now. And so you stop processing it. In fact, you hide it from yourself. And so there's a part of you that is not willing to be honest with you. Now that's crazy, right? So time, time. The journey of maturity takes time. And allow yourself that long, long process. So, your house, your life, many rooms in this life that is like a house and you open up all these different doors and you shine the light of the gospel. And so, I want to look at several emotions that you'll feel and I just I just want you to know what it is you're feeling, and I want you to know <clears throat> every time you have a feeling, you have a choice. And you have a choice to allow it to be submitted to God and used by God, or you can isolate yourself and go and be with unhealthy people, and that feeling can become a cancer to you and to others. Because the more that you process those emotions, you can be fully present, fully alive. And people can feel, I shared with you last week, this tree that is in the desert and that is full and bountiful and people can come and they can eat of this tree even in the midst of the desert. And in many ways, you can be this person that is fully alive even in the worst of circumstances because you've deepened your roots and deepened your trust in God.
because you are processing him. You are inviting him into the process of who you are. So if you don't mind, I want to deal with several of your feelings. So this might feel like a workshop. If you cry, it's okay. It's okay. We'll get some Kleenex and we'll do this together. But um, I want to deal with several of your feelings. First and foremost, um, I want to talk about anger. Uh, I talked about it a little bit uh, the other week. But if you look here, you see anger and then you see passion one way and depression going another Anger is just that rush of emotion that says, I care. I care deeply about something. And anger is a very good thing when used in the right circumstances. I mean, have you ever been on the train and you see that kid wilding out and the parent doesn't care and you're angry for them? Like, no, you should be angry right now. You should be upset because when you get angry, you say, I care about that person. I I love it when my leaders, if... uh, Worship was amazing just now, wasn't it? Wasn't it just awesome just now? When things don't work well as a church, I love it when my leaders are like, why is it that way? And they pound the table because they care. They're angry. They don't want to live in mediocrity. They want to do things excellently. I love it when people care. But anger, when used rightly, it leads towards passion. And passion merely is just the statement of, I'm willing to suffer for this. I want to see, I have a, the, the vision that I have is greater than the suffering that I will go through. So I'm willing to put in the work to see this change and to see this situation to get better. So I'll pound the table and let's put in the work because I'm angry. But anger When not processed well, not in the light of the gospel, can lead to deep depression. Archimedes said that when you take a ball and you try to place it under the water and you depress it, the minute you let it go, it bounces up. And when you take those feelings and you try to bury them down, you become very bitter and resentful And you look towards your past and there's a deep, deep wrath. And you become unhealthy to be around. And you're dangerous. Because one false move, and that resentment will pour out to others. What do you care about? What are you really passionate about? What do you love? What do you want to see? Your anger, oftentimes the things that frustrate you, tell you, what you've been designed for. Yeah. There is a book called The Voices of the Heart that deal with a lot of the things that I'm sharing with you now, a very helpful book. There is a fear. Now, fear is just a matter of saying there's something dangerous. There's something dangerous. And I'm getting concerned about it. And fear, the fear that you have can lead to faith. You're saying there's, there's something dangerous out there. And that faith is crying out to someone or something that can help with the danger. It's a belief. And so this faith can be this crying out, my daughter, Leah, 
We let her watch Scooby-Doo, and there was a ghost on there or something, and then she thinks, now she thinks the ghost is everywhere, and so we can't put her, you know, at night, we put her up in the bed, and, and she's always crying, crying, Mommy, Daddy, I need you. She's crying out. Why? Because she's afraid. She's scared. And she doesn't think she can handle this alone. So she cries out for someone stronger and greater to step in and help. And so when you are afraid, it is this moment where you can reach up and out to someone stronger and greater, the stronger and greater God. And so you, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't fear evil. Why? Because you're with me. Because I know I have you. And I can cry out to you. And when you become afraid, that is that moment to trust God deeply and believe deeply but it can also lead to great anxiety. Anxiety is this moment where you want to try to control something that's greater than you. You're trying to wrap your mind around something that's bigger and greater in you, and you do it in your own power and strength, and you start to look crazy. You ever see those scary movies um, where, you know, Jason is in the house with a knife, and he never dies. He's been around for like 90 years, right? He just doesn't die. And then there's that person that's like, I'm going to go in, and I'm going to check out the scene. And they start to go in, and when they walk in, you see they're scared to death. And you say to yourself, why are you doing this? We we already know, we, we already know, like we get it, you're gonna die, it's like, it's not even interesting anymore, right? And there's a part of you that realizes, why would you step into that situation alone? Why would you even enter into that by yourself? Because the fact of the matter is, is that that's similar to the way we look, that our anxiety grows deeper and deeper as we process our fears alone. I wonder what you're anxious about right now. I mean, what you're really anxious about. Because anxiety is not only a form of fear, but it's also a form of deep pride. It, it, it's a, an assumption about yourself that is, um, you define yourself as stronger than what you really are. And so you try to take on things that you deep down inside know you can't take on. So I wonder what what your fears are, what you're feeling anxious about. And there is a hurt. Hurt, simply, when you get pain. But, you know, it's interesting, you know, pain can come from all different types of forms. In fact, pain can come from a lot of times when Someone wasn't trying to elicit pain, wasn't trying to hurt. A lot of ways there are pains that you'll have that someone said something, but then there are pains when something wasn't said. You think about the way you grew up. There were things that were said to you that are hurting your heart, but there were things that weren't said to you that are destroying your heart right now too. Things that you're hungry for and hungry to hear. And so hurt is just when you you feel that deep sense of loss, 
and suffering. And so what happens when you're hurting? When you're hurt, this is your opportunity to come to God for healing. And healing happens when you go to someone that you diagnose your pain with. And you say, this is where I'm hurting. And you go to a person that can not only heal, but they can speak in. And they can say, oh, I've had that hurt too. I've been through that. I've had that kind of pain. And you process who you are and where you are through your pain. It comes from great confession, James chapter five and six. Confess your sins one to another that you might be healed. And so healing comes from this vulnerability which takes great courage. It takes great courage to say where you are at and to diagnose your hurt. And oftentimes it takes people. It takes people who are safe. I wonder if you have people in your life that you consider safe. Safe to process with you. And you begin healing and this healing process takes time. But over there to the left, over there to the left, y'all see that right there? Resentment, man. Resentment is like, um, you, got, you ever have a scab and you keep picking at it and healing never happens? You just keep going back to that wound, back to that wound, back to that wound, back to that wound, and you're never allowed for the healing process to happen? Resentment oftentimes is when we go back to the wound and we keep healers away, we keep God away. And our woundedness, our woundedness just becomes part of who we are now. And we keep looking back. And it's like we keep our wounds on replay in our mind. And we keep deep, a reservoir of resentment, a reservoir of deep resentment towards people and towards the past. And God is there longing to give you great healing. One of the second to last ones is sadness. And um, this is uh, a feeling that I, I wanna just uh, pause and say that um, when I say invite people in, oftentimes I don't just mean that you need to invite in people from the church, you may need to seek out counselors. You may need to seek out professional help because sadness is probably the emotion that you're going to feel more than all these emotions, you're probably gonna feel more than any other. Because sadness happens when your plan doesn't work. When things don't work the way you thought they would. And one thing I can guarantee you is that man makes his plans but God directs his steps they're more likely than not, the plan that you have right now will not come to fruition. And so far too often, we live in a world of fulfillment or loss, and you're gonna suffer more loss than fulfillment. And so sadness is this thing where you have to process the failure of your plan, the failure of things not working the way you thought they would. Sadness is what happens when, you know, we, in ministry, I've seen little kids pass away. 
You thought they were going to be 20 years old, 30 years old, and you see a little child die. You see someone you care for pass away. Deep, deep grieving. And when you process this with the Lord, there is this acceptance. But Chip Dodd says that when he says acceptance, it's really just saying it's not okay, but things are going to be okay. Oh, this is not, it's never okay to see someone pass away that you deeply love. It's never okay to see your plans fail. Your plans, you probably prayed over those things and longed for those things. Those are not okay, but there is this acceptance that I have that I live in a fallen world. It's not okay, but it's going to be okay. And I'm able to move forward in a broken world where things are not working the way they should where people die, where we suffer loss, and we have to process through those losses and those failures. And so I accept it. Or you can go to a world of self-pity. You know what self-pity is? Some of these things I don't even have to define. I mean, self-pity is a very dark, dark place. And self-pity is this moment where you're beginning to define yourself by your failures. And you want to bring people in. In fact, you want people to constantly remorse with you. But you never use that remorse for the purposes of strength. You use that remorse and you live in it. You live in your sadness. You live in your pain. You stay there. And you are always telling people about it. Oh, no. I, do, you know, do you know where I come from? Oh, you don't know my past. Uh, see, here's my situation. Oh, no, 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 no. I didn't have that growing up. No, see, I know you grew up. Yeah, I didn't have that. It was different for me. Oh, see, I, I, see I've worked very hard and things just don't work out. You know, things, things don't work out in my life like that. And you constantly go back. And then there is being lonely, which is a place we'll always be. When you're lonely, it is your biology telling you, I was made for people. <laughs> when you're lonely, it's when the Bible says man was not meant to be alone. When you're lonely, you are, you are celebrating your design. When you're lonely, God is in some ways reminding you that he has created you for people. And lonely, lonely means, well, I can call someone when I'm lonely. I can call someone and it can lead me to intimacy where you can see into my world and I let you in because I've got to let you in. I've got to let you in. And so I let people in. So I call my friend and I say, I want to know you and I want you to know me. Now, I'm not saying say that, but in essence, that's what you want. You want to be known. And I don't care how introverted or extroverted you say you are. No one can operate in aloneness all the time. But being alone being lonely is also a time for you to discover who you are. 
It's where you journal, it's where you pray, it's where you even you know, talk to yourself like you're crazy, but it's okay, because you're just working through things. But you become more self-aware, and you discover who you are. And when you're alone and when you're lonely, it is a time for you to cry out to God. You know, I, when it comes down to it, I have, I have deep, deep friends, and then I've got friends that know me pretty well, but I've got people who go, I know James. Oh, no, 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 I know him. I know him deeply. I know everything about him because I've talked with him through some of the deepest moments in his life. I know him. And then there are people I've dealt with for 20 years. I know them. I know Russell. I know him. I know. I know what he's going to do. I know because we've been processing together for 20 years. And some of you have not learned the art of intimacy, of letting people in. And it is very humbling to say, I want to be known. It's very humbling to say, I really want to be known. When you're alone, when you're lonely, it's opportunity for intimacy. Oh, but you see that other side right there, boy? Apathy. It's when you become numb to people. You know that girl that had her heart broken at her job, then she find out you dating? Say, yeah, yeah, I'm dating. She's like, mm, <laughs> hope it works out. Because <laughs> you know people. <laughs> You know, you know people, just watch your heart. Watch your heart. Watch yourself. You know people. Are you going to get back in a relationship? I don't, I don't know. Because I'm numb. I'm numb to intimacy. Yeah, I can't, I can't go there. Oh, yeah, I got hurt about four years ago. I shared something and somebody shared it with somebody else. And I learned that intimacy can be unsafe. So not, not for me anymore. And apathy is, is advertised all the time. Can't trust them. Watch yourself. And so you become numb to intimacy. And you begin to tell yourself it's okay. And you begin to work against your design. And you begin to eat. And I'm not, I'm not talking about whether you're around people. Because you could be crowded yet lonely at the same time. It's not whether you're around people, it's whether you're letting people in. And so you become very apathetic and numb when you don't allow God in the process. One more I want to share with you is guilt. <laughs> um, your mom ever say, you know better? You know better than you. You know, you know, you know. <laughs> there have been times, literally, as a pastor, and I think it's because I'm a pastor, but there have been times that I've been talking to people, and I can tell I was talking about something in general, and they got deeply convicted about something going on with them that I have no clue about. Like, I'm like, yeah, man, you know, because sometimes people steal cable, and they're like, yeah, they do. <laughs> I'm like, but that's cool. If I mean, we're, we're, let's pray about it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but there is within you a conscience 
The word conscious in Latin, it's with knowledge, consentia. And so there are things you know better. And when you feel guilt, you begin to process the judgment that you feel and you continually process the judgment you feel. And if you process it well, it leads to forgiveness. And you say, Christ has died for this sin. And even though I did this very, very offensive thing to me, to God, and to others, I am forgiven by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And he has died for my sin. And he has died for my guilt. He does not only want me to experience God eternally. He wants me to experience the peace of God now. And the forgiveness is available directly after you sin. You don't, you don't have to go through the process of beating yourself up because in many ways you are trying to add to the cross and put yourself on the cross. When Jesus is like, I got this. I've taken on your sin and your shame because Jesus is the righteous judge. He judges our sin, but then the judge comes down out of the courtroom and into your situation and he judges and takes the penalty. Amazing, in the gospel, amazing. isn't it a scandal? The judge declares you guilty, then goes down and then goes to prison and takes your penalty. Could you imagine that? You are guilty and you're innocent. It's a scandal, it's a scandal. The gospel is a scandal, it would be front page news. The one that is egregious, had an egregious offense, he is guilty, but he was found innocent because the judge took his penalty. And see, that's hard to believe. That's hard to believe, and you've gotta preach that to yourself that I am forgiven for what I've done. I am forgiven based upon what he's done for me. And I do not need to take the penalty that Jesus already took for me. Amen. But when you don't apply the gospel to your sin, you end up in this world of toxic shame, a perpetual feeling of inadequacy. I know me. I hear you, Pastor, but you don't know what I do. My wife doesn't know what I do. There are things about me no one knows. There are some secrets that if I shared with you, you wouldn't be able to look me in the eye. And so I feel this deep shame and it is penetrating every area of my life. And so when shame becomes toxic, oh, you'll worship, you'll come to church, but it, you're doing all those things in some ways to win God's favor. And you are taking out the gospel and you are trying to work your way into God's favor. So toxic shame leads to this deathly, deathly painful moment of, 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 of constantly living in that failure. Now we have a, um, a, an image that I wanna show you up here and so we'll put that image online um, 
And so we'll, we'll have that, uh, we'll put that on our Facebook page so that you can see. And um, this is a very healthy thing. Several years ago, I was in a, um, I was in a, um, like a church planting program and they walked us through this. And I said, man, this is so healthy. I don't, I don't think people realize that when they feel something, they have a choice. I think people think their feelings are facts and that the minute they feel something, they need to express it and live it out. And the fact of the matter is you're feeling, it is a tool to discover your design. And you have a choice. You have a choice. And God is inviting you into a process. As you make the daily choice to process your emotions with God, you will become an emotionally healthy person. As you contemplate the gospel on a daily basis, you will become a healthier person. And as you rest in the gospel, you'll become healthier and you give him those emotions. And they are a choice. Lasting image I want you to have is that I said your life is like a room with all these doors and all these spaces that God wants to be invited into. And in that room over there, that is my father, the lack of his presence in my life. And I don't talk about that. I keep that room locked. And over there, it's the way that people treated me when I was in high school and how I was overlooked. And I keep that door locked. And over there, that's the future I thought I'd have that I'm not really living out right now. And I ignore that door. I walk past it. And I don't want to look in there. And this door right here, this is the marriage door. And who knows if this will ever get open, so I just walk right past that. And all these doors in my home, I keep them locked. But what I do is I go downstairs and I have a devotional with God and I read my Bible every day. And I get up from the couch and Jesus says, can we, can we go upstairs? I'd like to see more of your house. You say, whoa, 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 you can't go, you can't, you can't go in that room now. It's crazy in there. It's like, no, no, it's okay. I, it's okay. I, can I just see what it's like in there? I'd like to look with you. You say, but if you, if you look in this, you'll, you'll leave. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. And I already know what's behind there. But I just want to look with you. I want to look with you. And you have to look. You've got to look. But don't now, now don't go without me. Don't, don't look in there without me. It's, it's, it's crazy in there, isn't it? Don't look in there without me. And don't bring those people either. And don't bring that advice that sounds good, but it isn't from me. Don't, don't get that in there. Wait for me. 
bring me. So tomorrow, give you some time, but tomorrow, when you sit down and you're thinking about everything that happened the day before, Jesus is tapping and saying, where are you? I want to enter into that moment that you had yesterday. And I want to talk with you about it. So can we, can we just walk around a little bit? And every day you do that, those rooms become open. And my, my auntie in, in the South, she's got this big house. We all go over her house in the summers. And she's got rooms over here and rooms over there and everybody stays there because she's got a lot of room for people to enter in. And the more that you enter into a process of healing, you can let more people into your world. And even though you are wounded, like Henry Nouwen said, you will become a wounded healer. <laughs> and you will help so many people. And you'll say, I remember that moment. I remember that room. But me and Jesus, we've been working on that quite some time. Jesus, in this room, there are many homes with many rooms. And there are so many doors that are locked. And as far as we know, we have thrown away the key but our feelings are these keys and they're these passwords that let us in. And so, dear God, would you let us walk in there together? I don't want to go alone. Let's walk in there together and process this together. And Jesus, would you fill our church with wounded healers? people that can be available for one another and bless one another and encourage one another and heal one another and live by faith with one another. Holy Spirit, would you make us an emotionally healthy church? Holy Spirit, would you make us an emotionally healthy church? Make us a healthy church, God. We invite you in. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. We'd love to hear how God used this sermon to speak to you. Please take a minute to email us your story. Our email address is info at bridgechurchnyc.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at bridgechurchnyc or visit our website, bridgechurchnyc.com. Thanks again for listening to this week's message.